Well, it's great to um, finally get this out of me. This message has been brewing. It's actually a message that um, has been on my heart for several years. I taught a six-week class on it, and um, but I'm actually going to cram six weeks into today. So are you ready? Um, I can actually almost guarantee we're going to go just a tick over today, so just bear with me on that one, but I will do my best to communicate effectively and um, in a way that you catch it, but we still move through and get you out of here on time. Um, But hey, wasn't that a great message from Natalie last week? If you missed the message, um, go to the podcast, number one. Number two, I'll give you just this brief. She came to talk about Generation Z, which is the ages of 20 years and younger, anyone that was born post 9-11, who doesn't remember life when it was peaceful in the United States. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of the the younger generation were bracing themselves for like a Gen Z bashing or something. Like, I don't know why. I don't know if we just set them up for failure because of how badly everybody talked about millennials for the longest time. They're like, oh, we're going to talk about Generation Z. What are we going to talk about? How bad they stink. But really, it 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 was a conversation about how amazing Generation Z is and what is inside of them and how... Um, how they are innovators and they're creative thinkers and they are, they are amazing individuals and human rights activists and they are the largest generation in history and they are globally connected. So if anybody is going to fulfill the Great Commission, if anybody has the chance to fulfill the Great Commission, who is it? It's going to be Generation Z. And we better stand up and pay attention because they are either going to change our world for the gospel, or they're not, or they're going to change it for the world, the way it's always been. So we have a responsibility, and um, I think we need to take it seriously. I think now is the time where we've got to go, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes to reach Generation Z. I'm going to do, I'm going to do the work, and so that's what today is going to be about, and, um, and I'm excited about it because I believe, I mean, God has said it, and I believe it. God said he's going to pour out his spirit, He did, and he said it's going to be on the next generation. Now, all of us oldies over 40, okay, please don't feel left out. If God pours his spirit out on the young people, we get some. You know what I'm saying? Like, we get it too. And it says, the prophetic word, I believe, says that... um, Uh, there will be just enough older people to sustain what's happening. So basically, we're all going to be bewildered, and all these young people are going to be like on fire for Jesus, and we're going to be like get to be a part of it. And I am excited about that. I know, like I know, I can feel it in my bones. I can feel it, you guys that God's going to do this thing. We've got, we've got young people on fire for the Lord. They are on fire for him. And I believe that we're going to see in our schools, we're going to see salvations and healings and miracles and, and revival break out. And I believe that we're going to have Bible studies and people praying for each other. I know it's going to happen in the schools and in this place and, and, and this, in the churches all around Newcastle and Henry County and even in the region of... Um, central Indiana. I know it's going to happen. So um, in order to do that, we're going to have to, you know, maybe change some things up a little bit, right? That's kind of what Natalie was saying. She talked about taking our nets and casting them on the other side, um, like the example of Peter when Jesus told um, them to do that. And so next week, I'm going to be talking about what we as a church are going to do to cast our nets on the other side. So I will be casting vision next week about that, kind of some changes that we're making here um, to prepare for what God is doing. But I want us to first take a look personally. What am I going to do? What am I going to do to take the net and cast it on the other side? And so that's what we're going to get into today. And we are just going to start... Um, in Mark 4. We're just going to start reading right there. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. We're talking about Jesus. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat on it, sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. 
And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up, increasing, and yielding thirty-fold and sixty-fold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who, has, he who has ears, let him hear. Woo, I want ears. So for the sake of time, this is all really good, but I'm going to catch the last sentence. Do you not understand this? Because the, the disciples asked, oh, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean by this? And he says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? I think that's interesting that maybe this is the key to unlocking all of the parables. Don't you find that very interesting? Okay. This is larger than my print, so I'm going to go here. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Amen. So the seed is the word right? This is what he's talking about. The seed is the word. And so in this case, we're talking about this word that God brought forth last week. It's not just Natalie's Gen Z talk. This is a word of the Lord. It is a word of the Lord that we need to take and put it into our hearts. And so we need to begin to examine, ooh, that seed that she brought, that God used her to bring, what happened? What, what kind of soil did it land in, in me, in my heart? Did it, um, some of us walked away completely apathetic and unchanged, right? Some of us walked away and, and thought, wow, that's awesome, I want to do it. And then you went, man, God would never use me to do that. I'm just, nah, I just, I don't, whatever self-deprecating thought, I'm too insignificant, I'm too shy, I'm not made that way, I'm too broken, I'm too weak. Um, others walked away and was like, yeah we're going to do this. But then you took, took, a, took one look at your life and the busyness of your schedule and how overwhelmed you are, and you went, mm, maybe later. Maybe I'll get involved in that later. I've got too much going on right now. There's just too much. And so then some of us walked away like, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm doing it. I'm going for it. I'm doing whatever it takes, whatever it takes to fulfill what God is calling us to do. And so, and really, that's the difference um, in the soils, but how do you know? You know, how do you know what kind of soil fell in your heart? You know, or what kind of what kind of soil your heart is that the seed fell on? Um, but really, when you ask yourself, "What is the condition of my soil?" Really, you can then change it to, "Am I bearing fruit? What kind of fruit am I bearing?" Because there's different kind of fruit. We've got worldly fruit. We've got godly fruit. You know, and and this isn't like all inclusive here. I just named some things. So you're going to come up with some other worldly fruit maybe. But it's often measured by successes, what the world defines as success. New cars, nice house, great vacation, stylish clothes, things like that. Um, but godly fruit is measured by these things, but not limited to. It's, it's godly fruit is when I hear the word preached or I read the word, it creates change in me. And that's how you know that you've got good soil. It creates change in me. I read it and I'm changed. My life bears the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I forgot a comma. Um, Kim, I forgot a comma. Um, so um, so you're, you're bearing the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> Another way is, am I fulfilling the mandate to make disciples? Am I bringing heaven to earth? And so when you ask yourself those questions and you go, ooh, I mean, some of this might really sting. You might go, wow, I've been building a worldly kingdom and I've been tending worldly fruit and uh, my uh, fruit that I, for the kingdom is not doing what I want it to. So we're going to go over the different soil types. I'm actually going to spend the most time in the thorns. We're going to quickly go over these um, the seeds along the path, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So first thing I notice, um, you know, number one is they hear the truth, but they remain unchanged, right? That happens, how many times does that happen when people are saved, you, they're saved, 
but they never move forward. There's no, they, they become saved, but they're not a follower of Jesus. There's no change that happens in their life. And see who takes it away, it's Satan. Guys, this is a deliverance issue. It's a demonic issue. If you, are, if you remain unchanged over and over and over again and the seed can't penetrate your heart, I would also suggest that if the seed's not penetrating your heart, you may not be saved either. That's another, you know. Um, but deliverance would be incredibly beneficial for you. If you are looking at yourself and you're going, wow, I'm just super apathetic. I, am, I, don't, I really don't care. I just don't care about what God wants to do in me. I don't want to change. Then you're, you, I'm just advising you or just letting you know that deliverance would be incredibly beneficial for you. <laughs> gentle, gentle nudge. <laughs> so the seeds in the rocky ground, and these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. But then when tribulation or persecution arises on the count of the word, immediately they fall away. So this represents lies and wounds that we have under the soil that are triggered when trials come. Okay, so let me explain this quickly. So you have soil on the ground. The rocks are not above the surface. It's not visible. When it talks about rocky ground, the ground, because nobody's going to plant seed, and you know what I'm saying, on the rocks. So when you think about a farmer. So they're under the ground. It's underneath the soil. So you plant the seed, and it says that it, it starts to spring up. You start to grow fruit. So these are the people that are like, you hear this word from the Lord, or you read a passage, or whatever it is, or even, you know, I'm going to reach Gen Z, and you get excited about it, and you, you start to do it, and you start to even grow some fruit. But here's what happens, is that as soon as a plant begins to grow above ground, okay, it also grows root below ground. And when the trial comes, this, this represents the trial, so as it's growing and uh, growing fruit, <laughs> then it's growing down here, and it hits a rock that's below the surface. The root is what hits the rock. And, um, and this is when trials come and things like that happen. So that's when you're tested on the count of the word. You're doing something for the kingdom and something happens, a trial happens in your life and shame begins to just eat you for lunch and begins to say, uh, who do you think you are doing that when you got all this stuff going on? You know, blah, blah, blah. And because it says that um, something about identity. Um, they have no root in themselves, but endure it for a while. But when persecution or arises on account of the word immediately they fall away so they have no root in themselves there's not a root of identity of who they are and so this if you've got rocks in your soil um, that would just represent uh, somebody who commits and then backs out and commits and then backs out um, and emotional healing would be something that would be incredibly beneficial for you <laughs> if you happen to notice that you've got rocks, because those rocks are wounds and lies that are being triggered by the trial that you're going through. We have that available on our website. So, okay, so the seeds among the thorns. The seeds among the, the thorns are where we're going to spend most of our time today. So, and the others... Ones are sown among the thorns, and they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Okay, so um, as I get into breaking this down, um, I want to just caution you, or maybe I need to ask for your forgiveness ahead of time. I'm not exactly sure. Listen. Listen. I am about to sacrifice some sacred cows, okay? I am about to offend your mind beyond belief. Like, really, I, I am. And I need you to understand that most of my life has spent in the thorns, okay? I, and we'll get into it. But um, I need you to know that this is coming from a place of empathy and love, and I am going to do my best to communicate this with the heart of the Father that doesn't bring shame or condemnation, or that, that will actually motivate you to change and not make you feel worse, okay? Do you understand that? So I need to actually just ask you, I'm not apologizing for what I'm about to say. I am saying, give me some grace and let me say it in a way that brings life in you, okay? And I, I, I ask, I pray to the Lord that I be a communicator that does show the Father's heart, so that's what I'm asking for today. If I don't say it right, please give me grace, okay? Because this is going to hurt. It's going to offend. Okay, so with that being said, let's break down 
the cares of this world. Let's start there. The cares of the, I, I broke it down with my precious little logo software. I broke down what cares means, and cares means anxiety or worry, and world means this age. So if you were to sum that up, the cares of this world represents when we care about what the rest of the world cares about. And so at this point, I want you to just take a minute. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you because um, I can name 17 different things that, that might be something that the world cares about. But the Holy Spirit is big, and your life is your life, and I don't know that I can name it all, right? I can't name lists to everything. Is this something that the world cares about and you also care about and shouldn't care about it as much as you do? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, um, but really, um, when you take a minute and you stop and ask the Lord, what do do I care too much about what the world cares about when it comes to, like, how I spend my time? What do I spend my time on? What do, I, uh, what do I say yes to? And is it what the rest of the world says yes to? Do I allow my children's sports schedules to completely run my life and not even ask the Lord if that's what he has for, for our family? Because the world cares a whole lot about those kind of successes, right? So anyway, my activities, my social media or my Netflix binging. <laughs> you know, I just named some things. I don't know. I'm just thinking about what crowds you out, you know? If you think about, because if you think about the, the analogy of weeds or thorns, you know, you think about a thorn, thorny um, area is going to crowd out the good growth, Right? And so anyway, so the cares of this world would be that. Anything that you start caring about what the world cares about in a very unhealthy way. The deceitfulness of riches. Okay. So deceitfulness means deception. And so, first of all, I have to say this. If you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called deception. Okay, Chris Vallotton, he says something to the effect of, uh, if you know you're deceived and you keep doing it, then you're just stupid. <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so, so deceitfulness of riches. So that tells me I don't know I'm doing it. I don't know I'm doing it because I'm deceived. So keep that in mind as I continue on. Okay, so riches, deceitfulness of riches. Riches is the measurement of the amount of money, property, or livestock. That was, you know, of course, back then. And I, I would say that now, you know, we can add things like, I don't know, electronic devices or cars or boats or some other property that we have. <clears throat> so here's the thing. So you know how the last time I said, you know, I'm going to trust Holy Spirit to to show you, and, and you can ask Jesus, you know, how am, I, how am I spending my money or my, my time? Is that whatever? Okay, so since you're deceived, you don't get to just sit there in your chair and go, Jesus, am I deceived about riches? <laughs> because you're deceived, okay? <laughs> so I'm just letting you know that you don't get to, because your mind or that spirit is going to tell you a hundred ways as to why it is that the way you spend your money and what you're doing is completely fine, Okay, because the Bible, this one, this one right here, when it comes to that, because the spirit of deception is attached to it, you need to trust your leaders. You need to look at the Bible. What does the Bible say about how we spend our money? And this is where I'm like, I'm super sorry. Like, I'm not sorry for that, but I, I, need to, I need you to understand. When we, there's a reason why the Bible says not to go into debt. And it's because when you are in debt, you are a slave to your job. You really do become a slave. And, um, and it's not good because once you're a slave, now, like, you know, let's say you've got a couple car payments or whatever. You are a slave to your job so that you can pay that car payment. So now you've just surrendered your money and your time. What if God asked you to sell everything you own and move to Beirut or something? But you can't. Or what if God says, I want you to work less. I want you to work less and go do this thing over here. But you're like, but I can't because I got all these bills. Well, why do you have the bills? 
Why, why are they there? You become a slave. Every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. That was Tiffany's comment. Thank you, Tiffany. <laughs> um, you, every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. As soon as you say yes to debt, you say no to something. And it's usually your time because you have to make the money to pay that payment. So, whew. And of course, God wants us to have nice things it's not that but when you're a slave to credit card debt and car payments and all these things that you've that you've got it's just it just messes you up okay so let's go into now that we all feel really good so we're going to go into desires for other things so that word desires means lusts not in the limited sense of mere sexual desire but in the general sense of longing the word is also used of desire for good and lawful things. What? So like, even good things can put me in the thorns and in the weeds? Even too much of a good thing? Yeah. And this is where, whew, and that just irritates me because like I'm a doer and I'm always wanting to do. But, um, but man, I'm telling you, even work, even work, it's a good thing, even work, even ministry. Sometimes we say yes to 17 different ministries, and boy, can we become burnout. Can I just tell you about how uh, this affects us, and we're going get, to get, get, get into how it affects our body in just a little bit, but like, for example, this desire for other things. Let me tell you about my Monday schedule, okay? My Monday schedule was started at the Y at 5.30 in the morning, then um, I went to work at 8.30. Then I had a meeting from 9.30 until 2. And then went parallel parking, practice driving with Joey from 2 to 3. And then from 3.30 to 5, I took my mom to the grocery store. And then from 5.30 to whatever, I finished making dinner because Gage started it and he's awesome. Then I went to a meeting, a middle school meeting from 7.30 until 9.30. And then I drove to Middletown to pick up Joey and come back. And I was home by 10.30. Now, what in there was a distraction? What was bad about what I did? Right? They were good things. But I was fried the next day, like fried. Like I had a headache so bad, like here. And it hurt, and it was bad because I jam-packed my day full of good things. And um, so anyway, it's just not good for us. But, okay, so to sum it up, a life in the thorns would be described as an administration problem. It is a distracted problem or a laziness problem or an apathy problem. I just don't want to deal with the thorns. And I know it's a problem, and someday I'll do it, and I'll get the motivation. And so does that, is that making sense to you guys, that the life in the thorns is just simply whatever is in your life that's choking out the fruit, that's occupying your time and your space, the thing that you want to avoid so badly because they're so prickly and painful to remove. And we do. We just go, I just don't even, I just, I just can't even look at that. I just can't. And we just, you know... We don't want to pay off our debt or we don't want to, you know, manage our time or manage our schedules better. And we just allow it to just crowd us out and stress us out. So, and Tom teaches that we all worship something, right? We're, we're always worshiping. We were made to worship. And if you want to know what you worship, you just ask yourself the question, how do I spend my money and how do I spend my time? And that will always, you follow the trail. And then that's when, that's how you know. And so... I need to just take a minute to <clears throat> let you know that it has not gone past me, the irony of the fact that the Lord has asked me to bring a time management message to all of you. And the irony is not lost on me because if some of you can remember, there was once upon a time that I was so chaotic and so full of weeds and that I signed up for a time management seminar and I spent $400 on this seminar that I was going to go to and I got the date wrong. Okay, to a time management seminar. Okay. So, yeah. 
So I need you to understand, I get it, I get it, and this has been the thing that I have worked on the hardest in my life, yes, is trying to bring structure and organization um, to my life. And so, and there was actually a prophetic word that Shrek spoke over me about a year and a half ago, and, and he said, an organizer is upon you, and you've got the anointing to organize, and I laughed in his face, because I was like, nope. So, so anyway, so I just want you to know, I just want you to know that, um, that like, I get it. I get the pain. I, I, I understand it, and it's crazy, and it's ironic that God asked me to do this, and so I'm like, okay. But I've been in the process of pulling the thorns, weeding my garden. And, um, but here's why it's a problem, okay? So number one, it's a problem because, you know, we're too busy. We're so busy in our lives, and our lives are so full of thorns and weeds that we don't make time to fulfill the Great Commission. And we don't make time to serve and, and fulfill our godly purpose. And we don't, we don't cooperate with what God is doing in the region because we're busy. We're just so busy and distracted and all of that. So that is a problem, yes. But I need you to understand that it is actually a problem for you like you. It's not just the kingdom. Yes, it's the kingdom. Of course it trickles up. But I, I want to hit why it's a problem for you and me personally about what happens to us when we live a life um, in the weeds. Because I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to get more from you. I'm not trying to ask you to spend more time of your already weeded life into serving this next-gen ministry. Like, I, that's, really, that's not my motive. My motive, I truly believe that if we all have a garden of good soil, that, that everything's going to work out. You know, like, God is going to fulfill what he wants to do here. But we have to have the hearts that, are, um, that have this good soil. But it affects you, spirit, soul, and body. It absolutely does. Hold on, let me catch up my slides here. Living in the thorns damages a spirit, soul, and body. The trauma that happens in your body, soul, and spirit when you stress yourself to the max about money, debt, schedules, and busyness can be devastating. And the more stressed you are, the less ability you have to be creative, innovative, and a problem solver. Okay? You absolutely, when you are stressed, it does things to your body and to your brain that are not good. We're about to watch this video. I came across this on Facebook from one of the um, groups that I follow when it comes to um, my son with special needs. And so this is actually an amazing uh, understanding of what happens in our brain. So just take a minute. We're going to go in learning mode here. Okay, so in review, I want everybody to hold up your hands. Okay, so this part right here, this is your survival state. This is fight, flight, or freeze mode. You are your worst self when we are in fight, flight, and freeze. Your emotional state is right here. That's your thumb. And when you are experiencing negative emotions, you know, that's when, uh, you, you know, you're, you have out for outbursts and negative behavior and things like that. Um, and then that executive state, which is up here, and this is where you're brilliant. This is where, this is where you are God's best. This is where God's design is for you. Now, these other states are, are useful and wonderful. Like if somebody breaks into your house or somebody tries to rape you or somebody tries to do whatever, you, you need this, this your brainstem or your survival part because that actually releases uh, adrenaline and things like that so that you can fight, flight, or freeze. But what happens is, is that when we live a life in the weeds or in the thorns and we are stressed to the max, we, be, we, we aren't up here in executive functioning. We begin to get lower and lower and lower into our lower levels of thinking. And before we know it, we are living our life out of that survival mode all the time. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So in your executive state, you're your best self. You're innovative and creative. You're in tune and you're full of faith and you're in joy emotional state, you are easily offended, you can have um, negative outbursts, ugly confrontations, and this is how you can logically know truth, but emotionally it doesn't feel true, you know, that's how those things can happen, is because you're in different parts of your brain, but that survival state, it's that heavy anxiety and fear. You are your worst self here, and um, this is chaos. When you're in, when you're in survival state, 
you are in complete chaos. Your life is chaos. And um, so I'm going to piece these two things together and, and make this length of, of this life in the thorns of busyness and stress and debt and poor time management and all of that makes you, it, it shoves you into those lower levels of thinking in your brain. And so then here's the problem is that once you're in these lower levels of thinking, you're a terrible problem solver. We're terrible problem solvers in these lower levels of thinking because we're not up here in the innovative part of things you're down here in these lower levels of thinking and so you begin to solve problems in a really bad way okay <laughs> like like it is like I'm gonna solve my problem by doing something really stupid you know I need you out of my face so I'm gonna scream until you leave I'm gonna say mean things until you get out of my face that's how we solve our problem and um and we need to we need to get out of that I mean when you parent and here's the thing guys when we parent out of these lower levels of thinking we actually um, cause our children to not be in their executive state. We don't let them develop those problem-solving skills, and they end up in their um, lower levels, levels of thinking as well. And so when you drop balls, and when you fail, and when you're a slave to your job, and you've got all this pressure, you're stuck in this place, um, usually in survival mode. And, um, and any decision made out of that place is just a bad decision. So let's talk about fight, flight, or freeze because that's what we do in survival state. That's our problem solving. Fight, flight, or freeze. So in our fight mode is when we're incredibly controlling, right? So like I'm, I'm in this place and I'm going to be controlling and we become aggressive or hard to get along with or really confrontational. Um, our flight, or excuse me, our freeze mode. Okay, so freeze mode is like everything is bad. Everything's going wrong. I can't do anything. I can't fix anything. I'm stuck. I'm completely paralyzed. And this is where we skip church. You know, we don't stay in connection with people. We isolate ourselves. Um, we just, we look at those thorns and we go, yeah, I can't even look at it. I just, I'm just stuck. And we stay stuck. Um, then we can go into, or we can do flight mode. Flight mode is a little bit more, you know, at least you're doing something, but usually flight mode is like, and Boom, we're done. I'm just cutting everything off. Like, I just, I'm just going to rearrange everything. We start chucking things, you know. Um, we bolt. We, we, just, we just look for Roundup to kill the bad boys. How am I going to fix this problem the easiest way? Shortest distance to fix the problem. So, you know, we think of like, you know, we daydream. Like, if I just won the lotto, all of my debt problems would go away. You know, um, we find some get-out-of-debt-quick scheme. We, our schedule is whacked. Instead of buying a calendar or restructuring, what do we do? We just start dropping commitments. We go, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't, you know, I signed up to do that thing, but, like, I just can't now. My life's too overwhelming, and I'm just really sorry. See, I'm out. And, um, you know, that's fine, you know, and that's fine because I get it. Like, here's what's happening in your in that survival state. Is this is your this is your logic if you can even have any? Is you go, <laughs> is you go. My life is so overwhelming and it's really painful, and I'm I, I'm just overwhelmed and it's chaos. Why, on God's green earth, would I want to come to church on Sunday and serve in a classroom where these kids? get on my nerves and put me back in my brainstem. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get your logic. Like, I understand that's how you're solving your problem, right? And so, so we just go, I can't do it. I just can't do it. You know, whatever it is. But we, we, we check our serving commitments, anything like that, and we just go, it's too much. Um, but listen, when you, when you live your life in that survival state, um, not only do you check your commitments and it kind of ruins your relationships, whatever, um, it also does damage to your body, like actual damage to your body. Like your adrenals become completely shot. Your cortisol levels are higher and you get belly fat and you get headaches and you get like, I mean, just really stressed and, and you're grumpy and, and your body, your immune system is lower when you're really stressed out. I mean, it's bad for you. It is really bad for you. So... But here's why it's not good for your spirit, okay? So Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yes. You were created for good works. Yes. You were created for it, and your spirit knows it. Yes. Your spirit also knows when you're not doing them. 
and it is grieved. And our thorns, when our thorns want to choke out our fruit so that little, little or no good works are being done, then your spirit is all discombobulated. And it's hard. We are triune beings. We are spirit, soul, and body, and we're supposed to be in cooperation with each other. But when our spirit and soul are all messed up because of the thorns in our life, or I'm sorry, our soul and our body is all messed up because of the thorns in our life, and our spirit is grieved, we're not reconciled as this triune being. We're, it's like we're all just discombobulated, and that feels, I don't have a word for it, gross you know it does it just feels gross so in order to leave um in order to get out of that that survival state and get into the higher levels of thinking in the executive part of our brain where we can do the good works because that's where we do the good works from in order to leave that remember she said we had to have two questions answered and i just think it's so cool when worldly stuff lines up with godly stuff right (laughs) so i'm like "Mm, that's so neat so we have to have two questions answered and one is am i safe am i safe and am i loved am i safe and am i loved and who answers those questions for us It is Jesus. He is the only one who can answer that question for us. And a really, really, really great way to get from this place up to this place is through gratitude, through worship, through confessing the goodness of God, through blessing the name of the Lord. That is a really, really, really great way to get out of this place of being like, I'm so afraid, I'm paralyzed, I'm stuck, I'm, it's chaos, you know. Do you ever notice how when you leave, you come into church like a hot mess and you leave like, whoa, I feel lighter. That's because you moved from survival state into your executive state because blessing the name of the Lord moves you out of this place and into this place. And gratitude is a great way, a practical way to get out of that brainstem living and up. But we also, we really just, just need to, like, we, we also need to clean up the thorns, Right? So one thing is we have to know, so it's kind of two problems I presented. One of them is we, we got to get out of our brainstem, right? we got to get out of our survival spot and up into our executive thinking so that we can problem solve about our thorns, right? Otherwise, we are going to be a terrible problem solver, right? You, like if you're trying to solve your thorn problem in your survival state, it's not going to go well for you. I'm just letting you know. So we need to get out of that place, and, and that is a place, that's how we do that is through gratitude, and through um, praising the Lord and having him answer that question that I am safe, I am, I am loved, I am a child of God. And that helps us get up to here so then we can go, okay, I can look at them and then they're painful, you know, because we don't want to. So, um, so we've got to ask, oh yes, here's this. And other seeds fell onto good soil that produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. This is the place, and our executive thinking in the good soil is where we are going to to, um, do that. And that's what, those are the good works that God wants us to do, is to grow this fruit and to to be uh, motivated for the kingdom. So you've got to ask yourself, what are the good works that he created for me to do? Am I doing them? And if not, why? And what do I see, need to say no to in order to say yes to them? Had somebody after service last week say, I think I need to quit my job. And I was like, that's pretty cool. You know, we think that's radical, right? We think that's crazy. We think you're crazy. Why would anybody ever quit their job to follow Jesus and do what he's called you to do? Oh, I, I don't know, because that's what the disciples did. I mean, like, did Peter, really, did Peter, like, when Jesus was, was trying to get, like, his, when his disciples were following him, did any of them look and go, yo, man, I got a boat payment, so I'm not going to be able to follow you for a while. So, you know, that's not what happened. It's not radical to think. It's not. It's kingdom. It's not radical to think I'm going to quit my job and serve Jesus for free. Because I guarantee you, I know this. God pays your bills, y'all. I mean, okay, I'm so careful. I need to be so careful. Please use wisdom. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to get you pumped up, but like, okay. Use wisdom. I know, you get it. Okay, so um, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Um, so what are we going to do? Right? So, so can, are any of you, I need a little bit of feedback here. So how many of you are going, yeah, I, I've got some weeds, I've got some thorns in my life, and I think I've lived a lot of my life 
in my survival state. Okay. All right, so what are we going to do about it? Because we need to get from being under the thorns and the weeds to on top of them so that we can pull them out. You know, it's like right now they're just, they are on top of us and they're eating us and devouring us and they're prickly and they hurt and they're painful. So we've got to get out of our brainstem and, in, and, and our emotions and into our executive thinking. And we're going to pray for that at the end. I'm actually going to take some time to pray for that. But practically, let's go into practically. What are we going to do about our thorns? So I'm going to give you some practical tips. And I'm not going to completely solve the problem for you, but, but let's, let's just move in a direction of at least looking at them. Okay? So make a list of the thorns in your life, such as, and this can be anything, and I'm a woman, so I put woman stuff down. Well, <laughs> Joey's going to kill me. <laughs> I put, like, you know, like chores that were kind of mine. Make a list of things, housework, meal plans, budget, debt, time management, health, what are the things that you know that God has been already talking to you about that you know are a mess? Is your health a mess? You know, is your, do you know that your time management is a hot mess? You know, you're dropping balls, your appointments are being missed and canceled. Is your um, debt eating you alive? Like, you know, so you're going to make a list of your thorns just so that you, they're not swimming and they're on paper. And then you're going to get a partner. Okay, we, um, there is something about, if you're in your survival state, okay, you need somebody else in their executive state that can help you solve the problem in a way that is not as painful to you. Because when you look at your thorns in your survival state or in your emotional state, it's painful. There's shame attached to it. It's, it's prickly and it hurts. And you're still not a good problem solver. So this is why you need someone in their executive state that can help you. So get a partner, somebody, or utilize the available resources that we have at this church. Do you realize how much stuff that we have available to help people uh, get the thorns out of their life? We have uh, marriage ministry. We have emotional healing. We have budget counseling. We have periodic uh, Dave Ramsey, what's that called? Financial peace. Um, I'm trying to think of all the things that we have available to help you dethorn your life. And so take advantage of that. And because, you know, you just can't do it. You're stuck and you can't do it in that place. You need help. You need help. And put structure to the thorns. You need to tell your life what to do and not let your life tell you what to do. Now, I need to talk to my free spirits for a minute because I am aware that when we start talking about structure, people start feeling pretty, like, restricted, you know. And I will, I, I just need to say this, you know, the most creative thing that has ever been done was within the structure of six days, and then God rested on the seventh. God created the whole world, the most creative thing he did, and he did this on this day, and he did this on this day. And he did this on this day. He even stayed within a structure, okay? I'm telling you right now, I am a free spirit and I hate structure. And I need, so I'm talking to you right now. If you begin to put structure to your life as a free spirit, you will be, your anxiety level will begin to lower. Like, whew. it is so amazing how wonderful it is to not have to, um, try to come up with structure. People who are structured naturally, it's like, they're just like, what's the big deal? But you don't understand. When you're a free spirit and you don't know how to do it, you need something else telling you what to do. You just do. But, um, so it's so helpful. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I put on here some apps that might be helpful. Like, these are things that helped me clean up my thorns, okay? Because I was really bad at poor management. That was probably my biggest thing. My, my time management, it was, it was really... I was not great at it, and um, I would forget appointments, or I would, <sighs> it's just rough. Okay, so Tom showed me this, Evernote. Have you guys ever heard of that, Evernote? I don't, I don't have any stock in it or anything, so, and it's free. So it's an app that you can put on your phone, and it's a note-taking app, and you can actually put different um, um, notebooks in it. And it's, So if you need a way to help organize and structure your life, that's a great app to get. Make sure that you use a calendar. Like, you can't be in 2000. 19 without a calendar okay like if you don't have a calendar like you're set you're planning to fail it's just a good idea 
And then envelopes is another thing that I use as a budgeting app that's a, um, really helpful. So, but I'm not going to tell you how to use it because that's a whole other thing. Um, so we're going to do some homework this week. <clears throat> so like I said before, your homework is um, you're going to make a list of all your thorns and you're going to ask Holy Spirit to highlight one or two areas to start. Because, and then you're going to ask the Holy Spirit to rank them in order of importance to him and get a partner and make a plan for those one or two things. It's overwhelming. We can't pull all of our thorns at once, okay? And nobody's expecting you to leave here and be like, and my garden's completely, it's completely gone. Make a, like, ask, make the list, ask the Lord to to highlight one or two things, and um, ask God to highlight them. And then what you're going to do is you're going to make a list of the good works that he has for you, because this will make it all worth it. This is your vision, Okay, like for me to just sit here and go, clean up your weeds, but there's no real payoff. You know, that's just, that's just mean. Okay, listen, at the same time, because I'm, and I'm going to ask you to do this in a little bit, I want, I'm going to end up asking you to put the, put the two things like right next to each other. Okay, make a list of the good works that God has for you. Because when you know, when you know what God has for you, it makes it easier. When you know that God's called you to do great things, then, then you go, okay, it's worth it. So I made a list of my things, um, just as an example, so that, and I'm going to be really vulnerable because some of this stuff on here I don't really know if you, whatever. But I want you to know that um, I put it as inspiration that you can go, okay, these are some of the things. There is nothing too out there and crazy that God won't have you do. So these are, these are the good works that I believe that I'm called to walk in. So this is my list. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe I've been called to parent my children so that they feel the Father's love and fulfill their divine purpose. I want to be an extraordinary wife. That garden is really thorny right now. Um, I want to, I believe that God's called me to heal the sick, to prophesy, to give crazy accurate words of knowledge, to operate in tongues and interpretation of tongues. I believe that God's called me to have angelic visitations and an encounter with Jesus. I believe I've been called to help my church family thrive and to be a part of stewarding the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I believe I am to partner and build a dynamic and thriving next-gen ministry. I believe I'm to be a motivational speaker at high schools and middle schools. And I believe I am to start a women's women's homeless shelter and rehabilitation center, help women choose life, help restore parents whose children have been removed by DCS. And I believe that I am to reach people internationally with the gospel. And that's just a small list of things that I believe that God's called me to do. But that is what gives me the, motiv- the motivation to pull my thorns. Because otherwise, I'm, I'm, why would I do it? Why would I do it? It's painful. So that's what I want you to do. And then when you make your list, I want you to include the works of Jesus because John 14 said that we can. <laughs> and um, use your past prophetic words. And if you don't have one, get one. We have a prophetic team. There's no excuse as to why somebody in this room wouldn't have a prophetic word because we have a prophetic team. Okay, take a gift assessment, take a personality profile, like leading from your strengths or Kindle life language or anything else. Ask someone else what they see in you. What do you think my gifts are? What do you think I'm called to do? What do you think the good works are that God's called me to do? And what is the dream that has been inside you since childhood? What's in there? Spend time on this. I'm asking you to spend time on this. It is worth it. It is worth it. Because these thorns are choking us out, and they don't need to be there, and we need motivation. You know, you know how sometimes, like, like you, you're thinking about, you, you know the thorns are there, and you go, well, I'm just waiting on some day where the motivation is going to hit me. You know, right? We go, it's over there, I'm just going to wait, today's the day. Motivation's hitting you today, that's it, today is the day. Okay, so, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may... Run who reads it, for still the vision awaits upon its appointed time, and it hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come to pass. So I want you to find a place in your home where you can hang your list of thorns and write next to your list of good works. So you're going to put your thorns next to your good works so that you know, you know, it's right there. It's worth it. It's worth it. There's a reason And this will help keep into perspective that the pain in removing the thorny weeds isn't punishment. It's to clear out your soil so that you may produce fruit with your works. Did you hear me? 
The pain in removing the thorny weeds is not punishment. It's not punishment. We're just clearing out the soil so that we have good soil, so that we can grow fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. Amen? Okay, so I, I'm going to close. And, um, and I want to pray for those of you who, are, who believe that you've been stuck in that survival part for a long time. So, and, and those people I want to come forward. If there's just a few, then I'm going to close the service and kind of let everybody go. How many of you would like prayer for that? Okay, awesome, beautiful. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. If you'll go ahead and play. I'm going to pray and I'm going to close the service. I'm going to pray for us. And then those of you that, that want specific prayer to get out of that, we're going to pray that God, um... no, we're going to all do it. Because I don't think everybody's being honest. Okay, so <clears throat> I want you to stand. And I just want you to put your hand on this part of your, the back of your head. Whew. Yes, God, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, we just thank you. We just thank you for showing us this, um, this painful place that we don't want to look at, God. But you have promised us that we are going to have the grace. We are going to have the grace to overcome these things. And so we are pressing into that grace right now in Jesus' name. And I just thank you, God, that, um, that you want more for us. You want this chaos to end in Jesus' name. You want that for us. You want that for us. So God, right now, I'm praying for everyone in this room, Lord Jesus, that you would begin to create new pathways, new pathways in their brain, that you would begin to um, break past that, that brainstem living, that survival state, Lord Jesus, that they would begin to create new neuropathways into their executive thinking right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that healing is happening in the brain right now, that, God, that we would begin to, to operate and function in your purpose, Lord Jesus, and we just break agreement with any spirit of chaos, any spirit of fear, any orphan spirit right now in Jesus' name. We break agreement with that, and we refuse to partner with it. And we thank you, God, for more of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, for a partnership with the Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, for healing, 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 healing happening in our brain right now and in our body. Body, in our body, that adrenals are being restored right now in Jesus' name. Headaches are going to be gone in Jesus' name. That, that um, just a miraculous health would come upon us, that energy levels would be restored in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, and I speak to everyone's um, mind and their spirit and their, their soul and the innovative part of them. And I speak to that and I say, come forth in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that you've created us to be innovative problem solvers. And I thank you, God, that we are gonna have access to that Lord Jesus. And I thank you that in that place in our mind, God, that we can look at the thorns and we can say, I know what to do. I have the grace. I know what to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I have the motivation. I have the creative idea. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I'm gonna do it your way and not my way. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for healing right now. Thank you, Lord. All right, amen, amen, amen.